Well, welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Today is April 26, 2016, and uh, this is the edition that I, I attempt to do every year, uh, or we attempt to do every year, and that is to sit down with um, men who are about to uh, flee, <laughs> flee the seminary, no, about to graduate from uh, the seminary and to talk a little bit about their experience, their time here. Um, and so today we're going to be doing that with two men um, coming from very different um, angles of attack, as it were, into their education here at the seminary. And so we're going to be talking with Mr. Adam Harris, who is uh, not only is he um, a resident student, but he's also Canadian. So we're not going to hold that against him. And, and of course, he got plenty of pot chat uh, ways to take shots at me, too, along the way. And, and everybody knows what I mean by that. And then we're going to talk with Benjamin Wantrop. He is um, he was a distance student for for a, a big part of his process here, and for the last year he's been a, a resident student. So we have different perspectives um, on their education uh, as students of Greenville Seminary. So, gentlemen, it's good to have you in the program. We're going to just forego all my normal nonsense that I usually say in the beginning, so we can get right to things uh, because time is uh, somewhat short. So, Benjamin, Adam, good to have you in the on the program. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Yeah, let's start with Benjamin. Um, I mentioned already that you, um, you're you a distance student uh, for quite a while. Why don't you um, first, before you get into how you came to Greenville, tell us um, a little bit about your background, um, you know, married, all that stuff, you know, all the pertinent details, and then we'll talk about why Greenville and, and the course, the track you took to get here. Yeah, great. Uh, so um, I'm... My late 20s, 27, I think that counts as late 20s. Um, I'm married to a beautiful woman named Anna, uh, who is from the northeast of England. Uh, I met her while I was over there working for a church and also doing seminary. And we've been married for about three years. I'm originally from Virginia, um, but I'd like to think of England as my adopted home. Well, he was short. I wasn't prepared. I was sitting back relaxing, waiting to hear a little bit more. So when did you move to England? I moved to England uh, in the fall of 2011 uh, after I graduated college. Um, I went over originally with MTW to be an intern for nine months at a church over there in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church in England and Wales and things went well and they wanted me to stay I wanted to stay um, and so I ended up staying for another three years four years in all and I think you were working at a church with a mutual friend of ours um, Dr. Bill Schweitzer Is that's it? right yeah. yeah so um, so lots of experience overseas and that's um, kind of brings him at least the listeners up to where we're going to get to in a second Adam tell us a little bit about your background um, you're a foreigner as well. No, no offense. Um, it's so hard to think of Canadians as foreigners, though. Um, you know, I feel like more of a foreigner here than you probably do <laughs> because of all the shots. But anyway, tell us your background. Sure. Well, I'm Canadian. Uh, I'm 30. I'm married to a beautiful woman named Joy. Um, grew up in Ontario, Canada. Met my wife at university there. Um, spent some time overseas. My parents were missionaries overseas in Ukraine. And then I uh, came back and uh, worked in youth ministry for three years. Mm, mm-hmm. And then since the Lord calling me uh, to pastoral ministry, I did some research on seminaries and ended up here. I also have uh, two uh, beautiful little kids, uh, Jonathan and Abigail, and a third on the way in July. 
Yep. And and both of those, if I remember correctly, you both of your children came along, as it were, um, while you were here. Uh, the first one, just six weeks before we picked that's up right. and moved that's down right. south. But that's then, right. Yes. So we're going to talk a little bit about that dynamic because that's, um, in, in, you know, it's summary life, as we'll get into, is... is some somewhat stressful and has its moments of great agony um and then you factor the family and everything else into the mix and it gets really um interesting now just for the listener's sake both of them are going to refer to their undergraduate work as universities <laughs> um in america we call them college um but um let's start with adam what what did you do at college university what was your undergraduate degree mm-hmm. and um and then we'll Mm-hmm. shift over to Benjamin same question sure well they called it the pre-seminary degree but it was a it was a uh, bachelor of arts in humanities mm-hmm. so um, you choose you know a few courses from the different uh, parts of, of humanities so I specialized in history philosophy and religion and and I found that that actually provided a very good broad based foundation for seminary yep. you know history of philosophy interacting with thought in, in Western philosophy and, and then getting some idea of, of uh, the historical setting in which we find ourselves. Yeah. So Yeah, sure. Benjamin? Very similar, actually. I studied history at university, particularly focusing in on early modern European uh, history, which is very helpful, particularly uh, Renaissance, Reformation, all that sort of thing. Um, also, it helps give you an idea of how to write papers how to um, critically think about things, um, get information, distill it, and then be able to regurgitate it, whether um, in an oral exam or in a written paper. Sure. So, yeah. Now, uh, this is for both of you. Uh, We'll just start with Benjamin, since you've already um, just wrapped up that side of it. Um, Your sense of call. What Tangible things. Well, for me, it it really took place over a long period of time. Um, I first started sensing a sense of call when I was still in high school um, and talked with um, my pastors about that. In fact, my senior year of high school, I met with my youth pastor, went through the Westminster Confession of Faith. Mm -hmm. We met week by week and then um, actually went through Charles Bridges' The Christian Ministry. And I think actually that really helped me get a focus on, okay, this isn't just a, a blanket idea of, of the ministry or meeting with people, you know, preaching, whatever, but actually what that looked like and helped consolidate a little bit for me. Then through college, I was uh, part of RUF, uh, leading small group Bible studies, meeting regularly one-on-one with other guys in the ministry, and um continuing to feel a sense of call Mm -hmm. Um, the elders at the church where I'd actually grown up as well were continuing to uh, encourage that I would teach Sunday school at the church every once in a while Um, and my RUF minister was in addition to that Um, then I actually came under care very very early Um, I think I was a junior in college when I came under care of the presbytery Um, and, and so that was a big uh, deal for me. In fact, yep. my first few years of college, I really struggled. Is this just something that I'm sort of making up because I want it to, so badly? Um, Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> but 
and 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 that really went all the way up to when I came under care, not of the presbytery, but of my local church of the session there. And the following Sunday, they were due to announce that in in worship, and I called up my pastor and said, you know, I'm just I just really don't know. I've I've had all these questions and stuff, and and he said to me. Uh, the elders have met with you. Uh, they see giftings in you, and they, on God's behalf, have said that they think you should move forward in this step. It's not a final step, but we we think that, and um, so you need to rest in that. Mm-hmm. And and that really helped me tremendously. And, and I haven't looked back too much since then. But having that both internal call, but then having it affirmed along the way. Um, and then very specifically by the church. And of course, um, going forward, it needs to be finally confirmed yep. um, in licensure and ordination. But uh, Yeah, it, it, you know, I, I always think that having us not like in, uh, to the point of plaguing doubt, but a certain sense of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not usually at a loss for words. A uh, certain uh, hesitancy. Maybe it's not a bad thing when you factor in everything you're being asked to do. Um, it can be very overwhelming and scary. Hmm. And uh, well, I could talk more about that. Adam, talk, tell us your sense of call. Sure. And well, you're at a different place right now than Benjamin is. Uh, um, be, you, you've but you're under care. And you mm-hmm. just came under care. Mm-hmm. Just so the listeners know, when we say under care, so we, we throw these tech, these technical words around. Everybody, we think everybody knows what we're talking about. Under care means that the presbytery or the governing body in the denomination uh, believes that the person has at least the raw gifts or t- abilities for the gospel ministry. It doesn't mean that they are called to the ministry. It just means that they are now coming under their watchful eyesight or observation as to their ability to then exercise some of the gifts that are necessary. Um, for the ministry. So that's a nutshell definition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I really struggled with my sense of call. <clears throat> Not everyone who goes to seminary is absolutely convinced um, when they start mm-hmm. or even when they finish. But um, so it's been a struggle for me even uh, up till recently. And I think a big reason for that is that I did not have that strong confirmation. Um, from a church because I moved around so much and I went to different churches and I didn't have uh, this session that knew me well and could take me under their wing and affirm gifts. I did have affirmations along the way. I loved teaching the Bible. I would do it at every opportunity and I'd, you know, I'd get positive feedback, but it wasn't the same thing as, as a pastor or as a session saying, you know, we think you may be called to the ministry. Um, and so I really struggled with that. After coming to seminary and, and joining, you know, a solid church, being here for a few years, I, I began to receive that, and that's gone a long way in my my sense of call. And I think Benjamin's right, and his elders are right that that there are times where you just have to rest in what other people say about you and stop listening to your own doubts. Yeah. No, you're right, I, and and you know, it's I've often talk, told my own wife where you know if it were just up to me. Um, and it all depended on me, and I'm sure you both feel the same way. It would be, uh, well, forget this. I, you know, I'll go do something else because it's just too much. You know, what does Paul say about it? You know, who is sufficient for these things? And um, so it's not doubt of morbidity you know, and plaguing. It's just a hesitancy realizing this is serious business. And um, so it's, I think it's healthy at some level, but not to the point of paralyzing mm-hmm. your thoughts and actions in the, in the process. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Adam, why? Uh, well, I already know the answer to this question, but nobody else does. So why Greenville? Oh, I don't remember telling you. Um, no, well, I, 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 well, I shouldn't say I know. I suspect strongly the answer to this question, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, there are, there are a number of answers. Um, of, course, we, uh, of course, you go to the seminary that you believe teaches the truth. And so uh, it's commitment to the scriptures, believe that, uh, you know, it teaches the truth. And along with that, it's commitment to the, the standards, Westminster standards. And Greenville is very committed to the Westminster Standards, not as a substitute for Scripture, but as a subordinate summary. Um, so, of course, that's that's first and foremost. But there are a number of other reasons. Um, the price was right, for one. Um, also, I was told that uh, if you want to raise a family, there's no better place than Greenville, yeah. South Carolina. Yeah, it's a great city. I wish I had raised my, my family here. I came here as an adult, as you know, and yeah. my kids were grown and married and all that business and uh, but I but it's a great city to, to live in it is and and two more uh, reasons one is uh, I talked with somebody who uh, attended this seminary and then went on to do doctoral work somewhere else he told me if you want to be a theologian or an academic there are other schools that you might want to go to but if you want to be a pastor go to Greenville yep. and I found that to be accurate through my four years here and then finally just personally um, Greenville was strong where I was weak. I I had done a lot of reading and thinking in the area of, of counseling and private ministry, but Greenville uh, unashamedly emphasizes the public ministry of the word and preaching and uh, churchmanship and mm-hmm. ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. And so I, I chose a seminary that would strengthen my weaknesses so that I would be a better rounded pastor. Yep. And here, Dr. Wilborn now. I want you to be good churchmen. <laughs> Say it many times. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> I asked Adam that question first. So now you get to answer the same question, Benjamin, coming from a very different perspective. Now, you, you came from England, um, but you didn't come to Greenville. You didn't move here until this year. So you took a different approach entirely, um, but maybe for the same reasons. Well, really a very different approach, actually. Um, so I was in England working for a church there, Uh, and the elders were confirming my desire to go to seminary. And so I actually initially thought that it would be a good idea, and they did as well, to go to seminary in England or in Britain. Um, And so I started off at the Free Church College in Edinburgh, um, which is now Edinburgh Theological Seminary. And to some extent, I would have loved to finish in Britain, but for various reasons, including an hour and 45-minute commute each way um, and certain things I wasn't completely certain about that was I was hearing at the seminary. Um, and also then the pastor I was working for, uh, who we mentioned earlier, Dr. Bill Schweitzer, who's an adjunct member of the faculty here, was getting an extension campus started of Greenville um, in Gateshead where I was and so there was a unique opportunity for me to be a part of helping to build that up and also um, switch to Greenville so it wasn't actually it was something that I did just sort of found myself thrown into um, but quickly found that I appreciated being thrown into it um, I, I'm I really valued several things about being at the Free Church College but as I think is probably true of a number of seminaries, whether in Britain or here in the United States, 
you sit in a class um, and you, you barely hear anything in reference to the confession or the catechisms, even from schools that would uh, be from denominations or associated with right, denominations right. that hold these standards. Yep. And you, the thing is, you get the impression as a student that these documents have no real bearing on actual ministry. They're like the Constitution of the United States that just sits there but has absolutely nothing to do with, well, almost nothing to do well, with how the government <laughs> works. I can send um, you his, I can let everybody know his email address if you want to write in and, and comment further on his, his obvious opinion of, of the US, U.S. government and they're not following the Constitution of the United States. But, uh, but anyway. The, this is, thankfully this is radio, not TV, because the poor man's read then, well, anyway, sorry. The, the point is. You knew this was going to happen. The point is <laughs> that um, these things really are relevant yeah. to us as we're counseling people, as we're going to presbytery and seeing that there's issues coming up, um, as issues come up in the local church, um, as there's um, difficulties on sessions, you know, as, as we're shaping our theology, as we're thinking, how are we going to reach out into the community that God has put us in? And they're not something just to put on your shelf and you know dust off every once in a while when you have a technical debate with sure, someone. Sure. Um, and so I think that was one of the things I most appreciated about transitioning into Greenville is they were, as Adam said, unashamedly and uh, committed to that, but then also very naturally brought it up in um, class. You know, Dr. Morales, for instance, will regularly reference the standards talking about biblical theology. Um, and it it's not as if it's a forced transition. Um, it's just a natural transition, taking biblical theology, going to the practical life of the church, and tying that in with our theology, our systematic theology. And so I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's not as though they tack the confession on, like at the back end. It's, it's woven throughout the material. And... Yeah. Um, and, and as you mentioned, it's not just, well, we believe the Westminster Standards, and so that's it. No, we always hear the Westminster Standards in, in correlation with and to the Scriptures. And, and as Adam mentioned, the, you know, the standards are the, you know, a subordinate standard, obviously, but it's that practical inner working of those things that you just kind of, you know, you don't feel like it's just stuck on at the back end because they got to do it, but it's part of it. Mm-hmm. And the men that teach it believe it. They're not just talking about it. I mean, this is, they believe this. So it's a great point. Now, you took it, you took the track by distance. Um, I could ask you a really loaded question, but I won't because I'm afraid to. Um, I did the same thing for my first year. Many people know that. And um, did you find, now that you've been here a year, compare, compare or con- and contrast the two experiences? Yeah, thank you. I could be wrong. I think the question you were going to ask is, "What do you think is better?" But uh, I'll I'll try to go about talking about the two different options. Um, I feel like I just I got thrown have, under a bus. I, I do have <laughs> um, I do have uh, thoughts on that, which I've I've spent a good deal of time thinking about. And I guess the answer really to that question, which is relevant, which is better, is there is no one size fits all mm-hmm. situation. Um, I think if I were talking to someone and you were only considering what would give you the best seminary education, I would say unreservedly on campus study. You get time 
with the professors, you get time with other students, you're talking, in fact, I love talking with Adam in particular, uh, we've developed a good friendship even over the last year, outside of he's class. Depend, he's dependent on you um, for rides home every day. <laughs> Maybe, but, uh, um, but you're talking with students outside of class about these things, yep. um, and don't forget, uh, for your wives, for your families um there's a whole community yeah. out there um my wife and i went through some very difficult things this past uh semester um personally and um and it was just amazing how the community of the seminary came around us uh, and you can't get that in it i mean you might have a good church or something like that but as far as people walking the same road as you yep. you yep. don't get that distance um so both the community and the education, if it was only those factors and under consideration, on-campus study is definitely better. However, there are other factors involved. Yep. For instance, um, I gained a tremendous amount of practical ministry experience working for three years of that summary time at Gateshead Presbyterian Church. And... Um, I think that will have a significant impact in future ministry. I also wouldn't have met my wife and uh, got married, probably, if I hadn't been doing distance that time. So I think you've got to weigh up what you're looking for as a prospective student, what are the important things in your life, and you've just got to be honest about what you're going to get out of it. You know, you probably won't get as good an education if you do distance. Uh, that sounds pretty categorical, but it's it's just the case. Um, even things like, uh, thankfully, um, Greenville now has quite a good video conferencing system. It wasn't like that when I began, but um, but even little things like a professor will ask a question, and it takes you several seconds to move your cursor up and unmute yourself to answer the question. By that time, someone in the class has already answered the question. You just kind of feel like, yeah, there's a number, bother? Yeah, there's a you number know? of logistical, certainly a number yeah. of logistical issues, but I think what's really interesting and what I want to zero in on a little bit is that um, that's precisely how the distance program is set up at the seminary, is that the, the student is working very, very closely with the local church, the local session, um, in, the, in the practical side of ministerial life. Um, it's the same sense uh, the resident students are required to be members of a church here and be involved. Um, it, you know, it goes hand in hand, and there are situations such as yours and others that uh, it works out really well. And um, so both sides are there. Now, Adam, you moved here. Did I – do you have more? Yeah, well, I just wanted – Sorry. I just wanted to say um, that I think, though, even though you get all that um, time with a, ch a church being involved in a church, um, you you can get that in a summer internship or yep. something like that. And so, um, but you really do lose a lot um, in terms of your academic um, and pastoral training um or particularly the academic side by not being on campus one of the yeah one of the things i tell people about seminary training at least it's been my experience is that you you learn far more than the academics being here uh it's it's moving it's a it's risky it's scary 
Um, and you, you learn to live on the ragged edge uh, because you almost have to. And, it, and it's four years of living that way. So you learn to really, you, you should be living this way anyway, but you are put in a situation where you really have to put yourself in complete dependence on God's provision for you and everything because you never know what's going to happen next. And frankly, um, unless you are the senior pastor of some huge Presbyterian church where you're making six figures, um, that's the way you're going to live the rest of your life mm-hmm. in the ministry. And you, you might as well learn now to be in total dependence on him and his provision. And that's the practical part of being at seminary. It's not just the education. I mean, that's very important. But there's the outside-the-classroom learning that you just – you're not as likely to get. And I think that's the fairest way to say it if you keep your secular job and try to do classes. And I did that, and it was great. But I wasn't benefiting in a lot of ways that I benefited much more by being here. Um, Adam, you chose to come. Mm-hmm. Was it a tough decision or pretty much a no-brainer? It was pretty much a no-brainer, just considering where we were. Uh, we didn't have too many ties um, to the exact city where we were. So I, I don't have too much to add to Benjamin. He's seen both sides of the equation. Yep. I guess from from my side, I guess you, one warning I would have is if you do move here, don't let yourself get stuck in the seminary bubble. Um, get outside. Uh, interact with the real world, so to speak. Um, I was able to have two two uh, summer internships up in Canada. That was great, um, and I was able to do some work in the church here along the way. Three years of Sunday school teaching, things like that. Um, so those are all good. Make sure you're involved in the in the church, and then get out and and see the real world. Do some evangelism on the streets. You know, yep. put things into practice. It's great advice. Um, I've said that before. Um, you can get stuck in the fishbowl. Mm-hmm. And, yes, you're going to live in it the rest of your life in the ministry. That's just the way it is. But, but yeah, <laughs> this is not – I don't want to say this isn't the real world, but I, I think everybody knows what I mean by that. It's <laughs> – this is like the foundation. This is – you know, I, I mentioned to Dr. Puppet just the other day. I said, I'm looking forward to this road being closed and a much more difficult road hmm. beginning, um, which I don't 100% understand yet, and I, and I five years from now I probably won't. So – uh, but you're right. It's it's that's the thing. It's mm-hmm. just don't come and kind of get in the ivory tower and think mm-hmm. that's all it is, because mm-hmm. that's really not real life ministry mm-hmm. anyway. I'm going to ask you a tough question, and and you'll understand the why it's tough. Of all the classes you took at the seminary, which one was your favorite? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not TV. It's radio, Benjamin. Um, that is a hard question. It is. Um, because there are a number of good classes. Well, pick a few. I think, I think actually, though, I do have one, um, and that is ecclesiology. Um, I was a part of the first group of guys who, were, who took it from uh, Dr. McGraw, who now teaches it. And so I can't really compare it to, uh, I don't know if Piper taught it before, but, um, but I really appreciated how McGraw taught it. Again, that's not a reflection on what it was taught before. It was Dr. Smith, I, but that's okay. okay. But I, <laughs> I uh, appreciated it. Um, I think he does, he does oral examination, as I, as I know other professors do, uh, which prepares you well for presbytery and various things like that, being able to even answer people in your congregation uh, in the future um, that will come to you with questions. He also does a neat thing where he gives you 
a whole several pages of questions that is your final exam, but he gives it to you at the beginning of the semester and sort of expects you to be filling it out as you go along. So it's really not so much trying to catch you out in the questions, but rather help you consolidate the information and testing how well you do that. And on top of that, I think he said that all the examples that he used throughout the class, and he tried to make it very practical as well as rigorously academic, um, were actual situations that he had dealt with yep. in pastoral ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's just great from from starting with the Trinity and covenant theology all the way through dealing with very practical questions um, in the life of the church. So that that would be my favorite, um, Ryan McGraw's um, ecclesiology. We can call his his questions that he does in ecclesiology. We can call McGraw's catechism on ecclesiology because that's exactly what they are. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. and it's very helpful because it helps cement a lot of things that he does in class. And I wish I had thought about starting to fill him out as he was lecturing. And if, think of that until like three or four weeks after we started the semester. So pff, behind the eight ball already. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Adam. Sure, yeah. Difficult question. Uh, Ecclesiology is definitely near the top. Uh, Dr. Piper has a number of excellent classes. He's just a wonderful teacher. But I think I'd have to say my favorite was Morales' Old Testament Biblical Theology. Yeah, great class. Um, Just gives you the the grand narrative of the Old Testament and of of Scripture as a whole and of history as a whole. Um, And, you know, painting the, the, the big picture, you know, through the waters to the mountain for life with God. And the thing about it, well, a couple things. One is uh, he 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 marries biblical and systematic theology very well. Yep. You know, some people see those as antithetical, but but he doesn't, and uh, so he does that very well. And then uh, the thing I found about biblical theology in particular is it gives you the, the the big picture framework in which to do the more detailed exegesis of specific texts. So it gives you it curbs your options. You can't take a, a text you know down this road because it. It, it doesn't fit within the big picture yep. of, of Scripture, and you can't take it in this way. So so it helps your exegesis, gives you the big picture. And I, I, I felt like, you know, I had been teaching people Scripture for a while, but after that class I felt like I had never known the Old Testament. I, I had the same, I had the exact same reaction. We both took the class, um, well, we're, we're all graduating this year, but I'm asking the questions. So, um, but I had the same thought in that class. I thought, you know, I've been reading this my whole life. I never gave sec- two thoughts to the, the Adam and Eve being ejected out of the Eastern Gate and then the tabernacle and the... Re- I, and, and I actually asked a student who's a second-year student here, won't say who he is, but he'll know who he is. Um, but I said, you know, it's amazing. Why, why don't we see that stuff? And his answer was, we don't know how to read. And I said, no, wait a minute. And I said, that's not fair. But, you know, in some sense, it's true. We don't have the right lenses, and we haven't been taught. Is that your first experience with biblical theology? Pretty much, yeah. So that was yeah. mine too, and I was really wrestling with it because I'm come out of this very systematic world, mm-hmm. and systematic theology was like the crown jewel of everything. And um, so then all of a sudden I get this biblical theology. I'm like, man, it's like you can find everything under every rock you look under. Mm-hmm. You know, where's the, you know, where's the safeguards and stuff. So it's, it, but you're right; it's a great class. You come away feeling like, man, I don't know the Bible at all. <laughs> I have so much to learn, mm-hmm. and I still feel that way. Um, and I'm sure you do too. As you get ready to graduate, you feel like you know I'm just scratching the surface, and there's a whole life ahead to learn, and mm-hmm. you still won't get close to where we ought to be. But yeah, great classes. I know for me, the preaching classes were um, very important. Um, I, I had the pl- I had the privilege of having Dr. Piper from intro all the way through homiletics too, 
Um, so I had him all the way through. So I got turned into a pipe of clone, as it were. And I mean that the right way. And that's not a dig. It's a just, you know, if I could preach half as good as Dr. Piper preaches, I'd be very happy. And half as well? Half as well. Thank you. <laughs> Say so he does it too. Speaking so, of know, Dr. Piper, the, the listeners uh, will all identify. You know, Dr. Piper loves to correct my grammar on the air, and so now Adam's doing it. And he probably got told by Dr. Piper to do it before he came in here. Um, but yeah, so great sealed. classes. Now a little more serious question, and I'm watching the time very closely because um, Benjamin has to has an appointment. Um, but um, a little more serious question. I mean, that's a serious question, but this is very serious. What has God taught you? as a seminary student the time you've been here now benjamin you know distance and now and then adam you've done four years on campus um if you had to just pick one thing and you re- as you reflect over the last four years five years whatever it's been patience hmm. i think it's easy to uh, have your plans all set out this is the way i want to do things um and it's good to plan and we should plan, but God has a way with messing with our plans um, and sanctifying us through it and um, recognizing that life will not fall apart if our plans fall apart um, as long as we're rooted um, in God through Christ and by His Holy Spirit. I think it's just very short, but I think after a number of things um uh, hopefully i'm learning that lesson a bit more yep the mind of man plans his way the lord directs his steps that verse is burned in my head i you're right patience <laughs> lots of it and it's a lot of it's needed and it, you know and it, when you translate that into ministerial life i mean you're gonna be dealing with people and you and if you really love them you, you want to see them here but most of the time there, and this isn't TV, so no one can see my hand. But you want to see them at a at a healthy spiritual place. And but as a pastor, you you're identifying, you're doing soul surgery, as it were, and you know that they're, they're struggling, and and they don't see it, but you do, and you're pastorally helping them. But you but at the end of the day, if you're not patient with them, yeah, that I mean, it just God has to get them there, and we're just instruments in the process, Adam. You can't say patience. No. <laughs> B- Benjamin's was so so deep and, you know, yeah. teaching of the heart. Mine, mine's more academic. Um, four years of studying. W- what's the biggest lesson I've learned? I-, I would say it's how to interpret the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't say hermeneutics was my favorite class, but um, just throughout all the classes right. that I had at seminary, um, y- you know, I thought I knew the Old Testament. I thought I knew how to interpret the Bible. Um, but when you are trained how to do it and you see it done on a regular basis and then you practice interpreting the Bible in the pulpit, and um, I just feel like I have, a, I have a much better grasp on on how to get at the authority, authorial intent yep. of individual passages and not to just bring my own ideas into it yeah a lot of its model adam's hitting on something that we haven't talked about at all um we've done it with some first year students but you know we have chapel three times a week here so we see it modeled um especially uh, when the professors um are preaching and um not that the other guys aren't doing it either but they're doing it 
the way we're hearing in the classroom. And so it's it's kind of woven throughout. It's not just, okay, we took hermeneutics, now we know how to interpret the Bible. It's, no, we took systematic theology with Dr. Pepper. We took ecclesiology with Dr. McGraw. We took reform spirituality with Dr. McGraw. We took OTBT with Dr. Moran. All, all of it's woven through and, you know, sort of getting this whole it's caught, not taught thing going on for all four years. And then you get to the end of it and go, wow, I really am able now to rightly divide the word of truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, before I thought I could, but now I realize, wow, I, mm-hmm. I had a lot to learn mm-hmm. and still will. But um, mm-hmm. that's a great, great point. We're almost out of time. Benjamin, what are you going to be doing after May 20th? <laughs> That's graduation, by the way. I'm going to be going back to England. Um, There's such a need in England um, for good, solid churches. Um, And so um, I call myself a missionary to England. Well, there's a a church in in Bury St. Edmunds that um, needs uh, another minister. They're very small, um, but to continue the evangelism that they're doing and really to continue as a church, um, they need some more help. And so after support raising this summer, um, which if any of your churches are interested, um, <laughs> um, um, but after support raising this summer, um, Lord willing, my wife and I will be going back to um, build God's church in England uh, or be used by him. Did you take Shisco's Reformed Pastor? No. Okay. You have to take the class to understand why I asked that question, because he would always correct us if we said, you know, my church. It's like, no, it's the Lord's church. (laughs) He would always correct us. Adam? Well, Benjamin and I can arm wrestle afterwards for uh, who is in more need of churches, Canada or England. Uh, So I'll be headed back to Canada, and um, it it looks like, well, there's a solid uh, Reformed Presbyterian church denomination up there and a couple churches out on the eastern coast of Canada that are in need of pastors and so I'm pursuing a call there. As I said uh, our third child's due in July so we've got a, a busy few months ahead of us. Are either one of you going to Banner? Uh, yeah, I put you on the spot. I've gone every year I've been here and just absolutely uh, yeah, enjoyed it it's but a great can't go this year. Well I've gone in Leicester England um, but not here yeah. on this side of the pond. Well, I say uh, that. I mean, it's a, it seemed like a silly question, but you know, those who listen to this podcast, a lot of the guys go to Banner. And so if you don't know who these two gentlemen are, you have an opportunity, well, would have had an opportunity at least to see them face-to-face. But maybe you know Adam from the previous years. I'm supposed to go, but it looks like I'm not going to be able to go this year. Long story. But um, anyway, too many family members in town. It's just I can't get away. So, hmm. but, uh, so it looks like you, you have as – as Benjamin's already pointed out, he's got these plans. <laughs> um, the Lord has a way of not messing them up, but <laughs> um, altering them somewhat um, and and keeping us pliable and flexible um, along the way. But it's, as I reflect on four years here, uh, there's so many things I could say, um, and I've always had an opportunity because I do this program, but um, uh, growth, patience, discipline, being disciplined with my time. Uh, there's just so many things I could talk about. And, I can't think of another place, school, and I know you gentlemen share this, I can't think of another school I'd rather be at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a perfect place. There is no such thing. It doesn't exist on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could have gone anywhere. Um, but the strength to this, the, this, the love for the scriptures, the confessional, um, uh, the confessional uh, adherence, being good churchmen, being men who love God's people, 
who want to preach his word, recognizing that God does not need us to do any of those things to build his kingdom is extremely humbling reality. Um, even though my head may have more knowledge than it did when I started, the one thing I've learned is that God does not need me. Mm. And, um, and so it just humbles you. Mm. Just humbles you to, to the dust as far as, 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 how, as how I look at it. So, and I know you both mm-hmm. share that same mm. sentiment. Well, any concluding remarks, comments? Here's a chance you can get the... I've got one. Get the last word before you graduate. Be careful what you say. You haven't graduated yet. No, no, no. <laughs> and it's not a pot shot at you either. Um, just uh, a word of advice if you're thinking of coming to Greenville Seminary. Um, three things. Number one, uh, you get the backing of your session. Make yep. sure they're totally on board. Yep. Mm-hmm. Number two, memorize a shorter catechism. Yep. Mm-hmm. And number three, memorize the, the Greek alphabet. If you can do those three things, you'll be off to a good start at Greenville Seminary. Yep. And this is a little bit off topic, but I also wanted to mention just that my wife has um, appreciated the Wives Fellowship mm. a great mm-hmm. deal. Um, it's a time where the wives of the seminary students get together and some of the professors' wives as well about once a month, and they're just it's a whole program to help them understand um, what it means to be a minister's wife and some of the challenges for that, but also help them be encouraged in seminary as they go through it together and so i think i know other seminaries possibly offer similar things but because of the sort of small family nature of greenville i think it's something really unique and something um that you might want to consider yeah my wife's often commented that she's been a widow for four years a seminary widow for four years because i'm holed up in some room somewhere with a book um but yeah, you're right. It, it's it is an important element. Our wives go through it with us, and oftentimes in silence. And um, you know, we're it's kind of like watching someone play sports as opposed to playing sports. Mm. Uh, I my kids would play. I'd get really nervous, and for them. But if I was playing, I wouldn't even probably think about being nervous. And it's just that there's a different dynamic. And but you're right. I'm glad you you brought that up. Well, gentlemen, I'll be praying for both of you as I have many times in the past. Um, it's. It's exciting to see this portion of our lives ending, but it's also scary and exciting to see what's going to happen next because in some sense there's still some uncertainty, but the reality is is that, um, you know, what, what is God going to do now? Um, mm-hmm. The last four years have been kind of mapped out for us, you know, schedules and here, be here, be there, be in this room at this time, <laughs> have this paper done at this date, and now we're going to get as it were, unshackled from a lot of that and shackled with a lot of other things that we mentally know about but practically haven't really experienced a whole ton of. And so, um, anyway, so I'll be praying for both of you as, as I have mm-hmm. already. So thanks for being in here. I know Benjamin's got to run because he's got to go get grilled about a sermon. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know what he's got. Um, but uh, but thanks for being in and talking. I'm sorry we couldn't get this done a couple weeks ago but anyway it worked out well thank you very much for having us it's been uh, i was teaching you patience (laughs) (laughs) thanks bill you're welcome thanks bill we'll be praying for you too yeah thank you all right well um again we've been talking with uh, adam harris and benjamin wantrop two men who have uh have endured uh and and in some sense that's what it's been an endurance race uh, for four years uh, through all the ag- academic uh, regimen and and trials of life, uh, we didn't touch on half of them, not even close um, to what it's like to be in seminary. Um, 
And um, so be praying for these men, be praying for God's Christ's church, be praying for the building of his kingdom as God is pleased to use frail human beings to do this work. It's a scary thing, but it's humbling at the same time. But, um, but be praying for that. Be praying for the seminary as well as new students will be coming in the fall who are going to be starting this road that we're ending. And it just keeps turning over year after year after year. So be praying for the seminary. And, and if you can, support the seminary. Um, uh, we, we survive on donations. A lot of it is. And so if you have any informa- or any questions, uh, you want to um, find out how you can do that, you can go to our website, gpts.edu. Or you can write info at gpts.edu and ask whatever question you need, and the right person will contact you. So until next time, when we... Who's coming up? Dr. Ben Shaw will be on to talk about Bible translations. Very interesting discussion. In fact, I've already recorded it. (laughs) So I know what it's like. But anyway, until then, we do thank you for listening to this particular edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Center. And God bless.